probably should have gone to the toilet before I did this actually. Just realizing. There's no turning back now. We're in. We're in. That's okay. I'm crossing my legs. Let's do this. Hi, Josephine. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? Also moderately well. It's really winter. It it feels like it's actually finally hit. Yeah. Because I went out this morning in like, because I just wear a nightie to bed. Is that too much? No. It's really just a large oversight, like a really oversized t-shirt that I wear to bed. So I went out to the clothesline this morning and just realized I was freezing. Just freezing. One of the best things I ever got, well, actually Andrew bought it for me and I finally had to replace it. Last year, I got, he got it from me years ago, was a heated throw. Oh. Like you plug it in? Yeah. He hates electric blankets that Why you sleep he on ha- top oh, of. Oh, he doesn't like – it's too yeah, much? Yeah, he's, he's the princess in the pay. Yeah, okay. Um, so this was the compromise. I got this heated throw. But they're great. That's cool. And then you can – it's portable. You know, you can have it on the couch. Wow. Mm. So I like – because I've got a weighted blanket and it's just – I don't know how they do it because there's like a there's a warm side and a cool side. Oh so really? You, well, like I didn't one, know that. One side's like cotton and the other side's like fleece or something. Oh okay, yeah. So you just like put the warm side on and be, I don't know if it's because of the weight or because I suddenly feel calm, but the temperature is perfect no matter what. That's amazing. Like even in summer, it's just perfect. Do you think I would like it? Um. Yeah, I do. Okay. I, I do. Yeah. I think everyone would like it. I think. Yeah, they're really they're so popular now for a great reason. Yeah. I just I feel like like I'll lie on the lounge and put my weighted blanket on my body, and it's like I'm taken back to my childhood where my mum used to have these blankets that were so heavy, not <laughs> on purpose. They were just like I don't know where you get these woolen. Heavy, yeah. heavy blankets from. Yeah. But I remember mum tucking me in and me being like, not able not to able move. Not able to move. <laughs> this, is, this is my position now. <laughs> That's great. Um, yeah. Okay, so we're here. This is uh, my favourite musical. Oh, it's a podcast. It's a podcast. I think we're up to episode six. Is that correct? That's exciting. Yeah. It's gone quick. It has, considering we started, what, a year and a half ago? It's <laughs> yeah, gone six quick. episodes over a year and a half doesn't <laughs> sound very impressive. But, the, but the last five, have. but episodes two to six over the past five weeks sounds a bit more impressive. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing what uh, a global pandemic will do for your productivity. Yes, and in some ways, me not working full time anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I've been telling myself, and obviously we shouldn't be feeling like we have to do anything in this pandemic. But I've been telling myself that if I can be productive in just one area of my life, then I've succeeded. So this is the one area of my life where I'm being productive. Well, that's great, I reckon. Yeah, one's better than none. I agree. But also if you are not being productive at all out there right now, that's fine. Go nuts. Do not beat yourself up about oh, it. God, no. Um, at any time, really. No, not just during anything. a global pandemic. Yeah, there's, you don't need to do anything. There's no good in beating yourself up about anything. Oh. That is never a good thing. That was beautiful. Thank you. Have you been reading some self-help lately? Only on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you like it in bite size. I don't read out <laughs> self-help books, but I do read self-help Instagram accounts. Yeah, that's fair. And then Actually, I post, post them on my Instagram stories. Yeah, you yeah. post good ones. I'm really into it. They always have dynamic backgrounds, I find. Do they? Yeah, pretty little patterns and stuff. Oh, yeah, that's um, Mantra Magazine. What's that? A, a, some magazine that's like quotes and things. Oh, right. Mm. Okay, okay. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so I have a couple of things to talk about before we get in. Excellent. I have what I'm going to title Apology Hour. Ooh. So I imagine, hour. Well, I imagine by the time we get to many episodes, this will be quite a long segment. Excellent. From a couple of episodes ago, can't remember how many, I, well, it wasn't actually me, it was Ruth, so I'm apologising mm. on her behalf. Wow. For the purists out there, Prince of Egypt was actually DreamWorks oh, Animation yes. and Anastasia was 20th Century Fox. Yes, so Disney owns Anastasia now but not Prince of Egypt. Yes, so uh, huge apologies on behalf of Ruth. I'm talking to her about it. I'm, look, we're doing all that we can. But it's a serious matter. Just bear with her, please. <laughs> Do you, I don't know if we said it then but the cast recording of the London production of Prince of Egypt's out as well. Oh, is Do it? you want to go listen to it? Yep. I didn't know that. That's mm-hmm. cool. Um, this one is on me, this apology. And actually when we recorded this episode, um, I I was talking about Buffy, which I talk about often. And you asked about the musical episode. Yeah. And it was only literally as soon as I'd finished saying the sentence that I realized what I had said was incorrect. Um, because a, a friend of mine messaged me, um, Elise was like on this message, she said, look, you know, that the musical episode of Buffy was actually written by Joss Whedon. Oh, really? Completely. And I, I knew it. Of course I knew it. Cause it, it's, he's famous for writing mm. all of that music. And it's like the first time he ever wrote any music and it's pretty amazing. So, uh, apologies for that. The episode is called Once More With Feeling. He's actually famously a big Sondheim fan, is he? which I love. Um, it was nominated for an Emmy for Outstanding Musical Direction. And it is worth watching, even though the actors and they use the actors from the actual show as, you know, in their voices, they're not, none of them are really stellar performers, but it's cool. It's a cool episode. It's a funny thing that Hollywood has just decided TV shows should sometimes have musical episodes. Very random. Yeah. Like, because lots of people did it, right? Lots of shows lots did of it. Lots of sitcoms have done it yeah. over the years and not even just sitcoms. Yeah. Or like crossover episodes I find sometimes strange as well with other shows. Oh, I don't like that. Yeah. I don't like a crossover. So um, that is the end of Apology Hour, but stay tuned for more. The Scrubs musical episode is excellent. I agree, but I I also love Scrubs. Yeah, it's a great show. Are there any that you know of that are really bad, bad musical episodes? I'm trying to think. I not. It's not a lot of shows I've – I remember How I Met Your Mother had one and that a couple of them just can't sing, but they kind of make jokes about it. Yeah. In the same way that they do, is it Elliot who can't sing in Scrubs? And they yeah. sort of make a bit of a joke about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sarah Chalk. Chalk, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's funny. I, to be honest, I haven't seen like I don't like How I Met Your Mother. So yeah, I seen it was it. it was a good one. Obviously, Neil Patrick Harris has a great voice. Yeah, clearly. Um, and and the others can sing as well. Well, Alison Hannigan, who's also in Buffy, yes. she famously like can't really sing, and so she didn't sing in that episode. Of, oh, really? Yeah, like she was one of the only characters who didn't really sing in that episode. Even yeah. Sarah Michelle Gellar had a go. And I think for Scrubs, it was the at least. Bobby Lopez, I think, who wrote Avenue Q, was yes, one of the yes. co-writers of Avenue Q. I think he certainly worked on Oh, that's it. cool. And the the woman who guest stars in that episode who sings in it is the original Kate Monster. Actually, I did know that. And she has been in multiple of other, like other Scrubs episodes. Oh, has she? I'm sure of it. Because there's a couple of episodes where they sing, like there's one episode that I love, I can't remember the name of it, where they sing um, that beautiful Colin Hayes oh, yeah. song, Waiting beautiful- for My Real oh, Life. Oh, Waiting for My Real Life to Begin, yes. Oh, the heat, like his music comes up a lot in that soundtrack. Oh, and then there's an episode where they sing a um, oh, Poison song. Anyway. Well, you know, I'm a massive Colin Hay fan. Oh, of we his- both are. <laughs> yes. Love him. And I've seen him in concert quite a few times and he tells the story that he used to perform at Largo, you know, this yeah. club in LA, and basically Zach Braff, I think, yeah, like he certainly used to go there. Maybe even worked there. Yes, I, 
before I he only, got scrubs. I remember this from like because Colin Hay was featured on Garden State soundtrack yes. as well. There is some relationship there for sure. And it was it was basically, yeah, once Zach Braff got the show and Garden yeah. State and stuff, he's like, I'm going to put your music in it. And, and Colin Hay was in an episode yes. as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously we love Colin Hay from um, Cozzy. Yes. <laughs> he was so good in that the film. film version of Cozzy. Yeah. Uh, which is a great Australian play. Yeah, if you're not, if you're listening from a country that isn't Australia, Colin Hay is also the lead singer of um, Men at Work. You'd know the song Down Under. Down Under, that's right. Um, and, yeah, he is. He has a solo career that is really awesome and cool and you should listen to it. You can also listen to the podcast uh, Fake Doctors, Real Friends, which is the uh, Zach Braff, oh, yeah. Donald Faison um, watch along of Scrubs yeah. that they're recording at the moment. It's only like very early days, but um, if you're a fan of Zach Braff and his work, then get amongst it. Yeah. And they're literally best friends, he and the guy who played I love Turk. that. Yeah, which is cute. Yeah. Very cute. Um, Any more apologies, Josephine? That's it for today, but you never know. <laughs> Keep them coming in, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Let us know when we're wrong about something. Yeah, I, I really don't mind. I, I don't want to be wrong about I, things. I don't either. I'm happy to be correct. There's a reason we try and research things. Yes. Except for this bit. This bit doesn't get researched. <laughs> this is when we'll get things wrong. And the problem is that I'm I'm really uh, directing this section of the podcast, which is even more problematic. But anyway. <laughs> um, Ruth, have you listened to any podcasts or read any books or watched any TV shows lately? Uh, we're re-watching Community from the beginning. Now oh, it's yes. on Netflix, cool. which is one of my favourite TV shows of all time. Mm. I love that show. Yeah. Um, it so is that's good. been great. And what else? I uh, I listened to, for this week's episode, I listened to some episodes of Broadway Backstory again, that podcast oh, yeah, I mentioned. you mentioned that, yeah. But I also wanted to mention the other Broadway podcast that I listen to a lot, which is um, Little Known Facts with Alana Levine. Oh, cool. Uh, and that's like an interview podcast with uh, Broadway performers and theatre people basically. Nice. And she was Lucy in Your Good Man, Charlie Brown, that, yeah. that Broadway revival. Yeah. She's not actually really a singer, which is quite funny. She's mostly a just a straight actress. actress yeah. yeah. And that's the only musical she's ever done. Yeah. Um, Lucy yeah. doesn't have much singing to no, do, to be fair. And I think they just sort of figured it out. Yeah. They just liked her enough for the character. and She was very good. She got like that coaching and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, she's oh, cool. great. Yeah, well, oh, I, I recommend um, that one too. I finished watching Shit's Creek. Oh, the the, the, the the whole the thing. last season plus the um best behind the scenes. What is it? Warmest regards, best best wishes, or yeah. whatever it's called. Oh my gosh! And we like, I just cried. I just cried and it's cried such a great like show. a baby. Yeah. So I highly recommend Shit's Creek if you haven't watched it yet. But I loved how the last season just seemed to get so. Like it just had moments of such gravity, yeah, which was really lovely. And it what was really just a straight comedy. The um the relationship um in that show, um, Patrick and David. Patrick and David is, I think, one of my favorite couples I've Romantic, ever seen yeah. in a TV show ever. I agree. As soon as they introduced Patrick as a character, yeah. I was all in on that show and yeah. their relationship and I just cried. I completely Every time agree. they have some big romantic thing between them, I cried every episode that that happened. 100%. Yeah. I sometimes rewatch the scene where Patrick sings You're the Best. Yeah. And when then... Simply the Best? Well, I think it's just called The Best. That song? It's called The Best. Is it? Yeah. It, wow. Although most people just call it Simply the Best. It's sometimes songs aren't called what I am 90% certain that it's called The Best. I'm happy to be wrong about that. That could be next week's apology hour. Um, I'm actually reading, you might be interested in this, a book called Mindful Money. Okay. Yeah, it's written by this girl whose name is Canna Campbell. So much alliteration. Um, She's got a really popular YouTube channel called Sugar Mama. But anyway, if you're interested in, it's really 
excellent so far. I'm only halfway through. But if you're interested in like sorting out your finances, um, you don't need to have like a big salary or anything. But it's been really interesting and informative. I'm finally reading Not Since Carrie, which is a famous oh, yeah. um, book about Broadway flops. I've, I've, I've had it for, I mean, probably over 10 years and I've just never actually read it. I'm almost finished it now. Is it good? Yeah, it's good. It just yeah. details all these famous Broadway flops. I wonder if like there's an updated version. Yeah. That's no, quite old. Yeah, it's – well, the thing is that it used to be that shows would close on opening night or close in previews and mm. that doesn't happen anymore. No, it doesn't. It doesn't so make flop, it there, does it? a flop is sort of – it might have run for a few months. Yeah. And, yes, that's a famous flop. And, yes, they will have lost lots of money and everything. Mm. But these are, you know, never, never, either never make it to Broadway but the marquee went up or yeah. things like that. Oh, it's sad. Yeah. It's sad but it's also fascinating, all that history. Of course. Yeah. Well, even when like, some, like one of our favourites has had a pretty famous flop. With um, Stephen Sondheim and Merrily. Yeah. Uh, one thing I did watch this week that is slightly relevant is I rewatched the YouTube clip of David Phelps singing Oh Holy Night about 75 times. Which, bands. as you know, is my favourite YouTube clip of all time. <laughs> it, okay. And so I'm not religious. <laughs> here's some context. The song Oh Holy Night, everyone knows it's a Christmas carol. It's like a proper carol. Um, it is quite religious. Um and it is sung by uh, an American Christian singer. His name is David Phelps. He has literally the best voice that any human has ever had in the history of the world. It's one of those high tenor voices where you feel like he could hit any note. It just keeps going higher and higher and it never feels there's any effort. But it's also not like, it's not like a, it's not a particularly classical sounding voice. No, like that's he has true. nice resonance, although he is certainly classically trained. Like you can tell that straight away, but it, he's got the most beautiful tone that I I think would be universally appealing. Mm. And this it's it's so like you the video is from, I don't know, it looks like the maybe early nineties, yeah. late eighties, and it's so churchy. Like there's, you know, lots of people with their hands up and they're all praising Jesus, but you just cannot go past his voice in this clip. And you've got to it just keeps building and building. So you will have watched the first minute how. and be like, oh this is great. And then it gets to about halfway through. Yes. And it just goes insane. I love that he's st- like he's clearly revered for a very good reason, but he's like wearing Jeans and a jumper. We always <laughs> joke that it, he just came after dropping his kids off at school. Totally. And, yeah. Like he's just coached the soccer team and then jumped on stage yeah. to sing the best version of any song ever. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've been watching that. Um, I have some musical news oh, for yes. you. I was reading an article on um, Broadway.com that Broadway has sort of delayed their reopening again. Yeah. So, so at this stage – they're now refunding people until September, September 7th, I think. So originally it was like April 14th and then it was like July and now it's September. So they're refunding until then with still no um, no opening date in sight. So there's no no Broadway productions have a set date for return yet. I think it could be sometime. It'll be a long time, I don't I reckon. think it'll be this year. No, I don't think so either. Although like we've in Australia we've had at least one production that I know of set a date for Yeah, a I think we mentioned that. The Frozen yeah, is going to open December. on the 1st of December. But um, so far nothing, no news from Broadway. But one thing that I got cranky about this week along with I think everyone else in the world was that instead of the Tony Awards – Yes. <laughs> so CBS, uh, who normally air the Tony yeah. Awards each year, which is would be happening, you know, at this time, instead of airing the Tony Awards, which are not happening, they're going to play the sing-along version of Grease, the movie musical. It's so disappointing. Just let that sit in your mind, Grapes, for a second. 
Instead of the Tony Awards, you watch Grease with that little bouncing ball and lyrics on the bottom of the screen. And lots of people have, I think there's some petitions going around where people are like, why don't you make a clips show of the best Tony Awards performances of all time or, you know, something that's in some way relevant to the Tony. 100%. Especially since a lot of those old Tony clips. The, vis- the versions that exist on YouTube aren't that good quality. Yes, of course. So it'd so be we great see to see stuff. some of them in like proper HD. Yeah, like they're not even airing like a, a live taping of a live production. They're airing a movie, a yeah. movie that, I, I mean, this is controversial, no one likes. No one likes I Grease. mean, I like the Grease film better than I like the Grease stage show. But that's, that doesn't say much. No. That's not saying much at all, <laughs> you know, like – yeah terrible choices I saw Jeremy Jordan like had this tweet series about how outraged he was about it love Jeremy Jordan of course he's the best he is the best yes Ah, that's all my news well I was just going to mention you know we talked about rent on last week's episode and that musical splaining podcast that we like had their episode was on rent this last week which I actually didn't know it was such a coincidence yeah Yeah. it sort of came out after we had recorded ours and um yeah, there was some interesting stuff in there. But if you also don't like Rent, same as Josephine. And, and you, lots of other people. And lots of other people. And you want, I don't know, some more ammo for arguing with people <laughs> like me who do like the show, then go listen to that episode and uh, yeah, she you may does, enjoy it. She does she have really lots of ammo. She really hates it. Yeah. And the, the whole uh, point of the show is that she's showing her friend who hates musicals all these different musicals <laughs> to see if he likes them. Um and he does not like Rent. Spoiler alert, he does not like the show. I um I would be I think you would be hard pressed to find a person who is being introduced to Rent now who would like it. Mm. Like I understand if you were introduced to it yeah. back in the day. I just don't think it's one that holds up very well. Yeah, that's probably true. Even without any of the issues we discussed last week, yeah. just the music and like I just don't think I it's I think if you cherry pick well. certain songs and only played them for someone now, they might like it, but yeah, maybe. not the show as a whole. No, I don't think so. And I also don't think watching the pro shot is the best. I mean, I still think that's a great pro shot of yes. that production. I just think that it's I, – I watching a filmed version of a musical is never going to be the same as watching a professional production live. I was surprised that she hadn't seen – a like there's so many professional productions. No, I, like, she has refused. It's well, not – It's not. The, <laughs> <laughs> I think she's chosen not to oh, see it. Oh, I do like her. She lived in New York while it was on. Hilar- well, yeah, it's not like you could be anywhere in America and not find a production exactly. of Rent. Exactly. Like, there, 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 there was a tour on the road when it when the shutdown happened. Yeah, how funny. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Um, okay, so who's going first this week? I can't remember. That's oh, terrible. What Who was, was it? So we did Rent and what last week? What did I do? Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Oh, I, did you start? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. I think you were first. Oh, yeah, I started. So you go. Okay. This week. Okay. I'm doing In the Heights. <gasps> Ruth. Yeah. You love In the Heights. It's my second favourite musical in the world. It, you, you're famous for that, I would say. <laughs> famous. Well, in, amongst, amongst our you friends. and I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um. Yeah, In the Heights. It's a funny one, I think. Is it funny? Oh, sometimes. Uh-huh. But, I mean, it's a funny one to have as my second favourite, I think, because – I feel like with a lot of shows, you can really pinpoint what it is that you love about a show. Yeah. And I can't even really pinpoint what it is I love about In the Heights. Well, I think it's against type for you. I think it is too. Yeah. Uh, for some context, I'm the whitest person. So white. I'm like so pale. I don't even – I have a vitamin D deficiency yeah. that my doctor said 
it's better if you don't go outside and get the vitamin D. Instead, we want you to take vitamin D tablets. Well, like you're so white that like, I mean, your hair is white, your eyebrows are white, your (laughs) eyelashes are white. You're a whitey white star. I'm not. What's the word for you? <laughs> what are you saying? When everything's blonde and you don't have any pigment. You're not an albino. I'm not an albino. No. I couldn't think of the word. You're about as close as you can get. Yes. Though. Yeah. I'm, I'm not an albino. But yes, I am close. <laughs> I have to tint my eyebrows because otherwise they're translucent. Yeah. Um, oh, Ruth. Yes. So I'm very white. I am Australian for many generations and mm. then like English and Irish before that. Yeah. It's about as boring. About as vanilla white, as you can get. vanilla, yeah. middle class. upbringing as you can imagine so for me to love this latino hip-hop musical is a little against type but maybe that's why you love it because it's a cultural explosion yeah i think that might be part of it i think it's also you know it's funny that i'm doing it the week after rent sort of by chance but when we talk about shows sort of changing the way Mm. we see musicals this i think that was a bit of this for me as well when it came out yeah again it was oh i didn't realize musical theater could sound this way i think in the heights is still groundbreaking yeah i do too if it it were released today it would still be groundbreaking i think well i mean not after hamilton probably um no i i would still in terms of themes and representation of latino americans yeah i think in that in that way the interesting thing i've uh, been thinking about and we'll get into this is of course uh, it's set in the mid 2000s it's it, so it's started on Broadway in 2008 just for some context I'll go back in a second but it's set in you know the mid 2000s that's when we assume it's set and the whole idea is that Washington Heights which is where it's set which is sort of the very top of Manhattan which is a you know a big island mm. um is gentrifying it's as the um ethnically diverse community that lived there are all sort of being forced out and all the white people are moving in basically the yuppies and of course now 12 years later it is like completely gentrified of course it's uh, i know people that live there um who are the sort of people that would not have lived there 12 years ago yeah wow. and uh yeah it's interesting it's interesting it's like you couldn't set it now because it was of its time it wouldn't be relevant Mm. i just want to point out um something that is interesting ruth is not looking at her notes at all like she's just (laughs) talking off the top of her head this is how much she loves in the heights (laughs) (laughs) it's true so um yeah so in the heights so i'll tell you a little bit about the story before we go into anything else. And I do think that most of the time when I've done, when I do these synopses, I sort of think that they're almost not that important. Like you can Google the story. I don't think the story, it's more about sort of the general context of the show, but in a way in this show, it's probably good to get a bit of context of story just because it's, it's, it is more about what happens to the characters than it is sort of overarching. Yes. Yeah. So it takes place over three days and like which I love that yeah I love when it's like a small snapshot of time that changed these people's lives right that's the that's sort of the thing it's in set in Washington Heights which is in upper Manhattan um and it's yeah the start of it being very gentrified and that's kind of the the background to everything that's taking place the central character is Usnavi and that's who Lin-Manuel Miranda who wrote it he also played Usnavi in the show and he's sort of a 20 something year old um, Dominican and he runs the local bodega. So a bodega, like if you're Australian, we'd call it a corner store basically. Mm. But in New York, of course they don't have 
big supermarkets everywhere because it's so, everything's so tightly yeah. packed together. So it's not like you go to Coles to do your shopping. They just have it's these bodegas these little, everywhere. These little bodegas and yeah. it's like a tiny grocery store. Yeah. And it's like jam-packed with stuff, hey? Exactly. And there's often, say, a deli counter and things like this where you'd buy sandwiches and things as well. Yeah. Um, so, yes, lot, they're all over New York. Um, so he runs local bodega with his young cousin, Sonny. His best friend is named Benny and he's black. He's not. So most of the, most of the community there are like Latinx and uh, Benny's black and they, Benny has a crush on Nina, who's another person in the neighborhood. And Usnavi has a crush on Vanessa, who's also another person in the neighborhood. And then we've also got Abuela. Abuela is Spanish for grandmother. Um, and she's sort of the matriarch of the block. It's sort of, it's like she raises everyone. Mm. Every She knows everyone. She knows their business. She helps everyone. Yeah. And it's set on the hottest weekend of the year, July 4th weekend, and someone has bought a winning lottery ticket from the bodega, a winning lottery ticket for $96,000. That's important. Uh, other things that happen, there's a blackout during this weekend and spoiler alert, Abuela was the one who had bought the lottery ticket and also, spoiler alert, she dies during the show. Yeah. Um, it's pretty rough. So Alanis Morissette themes, would have something to say about that. Yeah. The themes are very much about tradition and family and what what makes a family, what makes a home. Uh, there's been actually a lot of – I mean, it's funny. When you talked about Fiddler um, a few episodes ago and we talked about that, that documentary that exists, that Miracle of Miracles documentary, that, that Lin-Manuel was in the documentary yeah, talking. because he loves and Fiddler. He loves Fiddler. Yeah. And actually once you start to look at the two of them together, Very there's similar. so many comparisons I you can make. I completely agree. Well, it's the same, like the, the people in Fiddler are being pushed out of their home yes. because of, yeah, like incoming other people and 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 therefore what makes a home, you know, right, like is it is it where you grew up, is it where – you are with your family yeah. and and also these things of tradition. Yeah, and how, how tightly do you need to cling to traditions exactly. and, and how important are they? And Exactly. Yeah. So there's lots of those things. Um, the reason I mentioned that Benny's black is because he has this crush on Nina. He works for Nina's parents in this car service company and they don't approve of, of um, her being with him. Not, not I think not just because he's not Latin but also um, – because he's an employee of Yes, right. that's right. And like, they have so very high hopes Nina's for their daughter. at Stanford. Um, she and uh, they had really high hopes for her and her education and everything. So to them, her dating this young man who yeah, yeah is like, no, that's not who they want for their daughter, which mm. is a, similar to the yeah, model to Fiddler, and, yeah, for sure. things like that. So I mentioned that the composers, Lee Manuel Miranda, obviously a lot of people listening will know the musical Hamilton. So this was many years before Hamilton. And this he was, was so young. He was really young. So he started writing the show in 1999. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, when he was at Wesleyan University, which is the college that he went to. And it was actually first done there. At, like he got an opportunity. They performed it at, at his college yeah, cool. as a production. And he what said, did he study at Wesleyan? I think, I think he – So well, like theatre studies I think or he did, yeah, like a BFA or whatever they call yeah, it. Yeah, sure. Um, in America when you do acting and yeah. theatre and everything. I know that he taught afterwards though because he went back to his old high school and taught as a substitute English teacher um, after, cool. after he graduated, yeah. Um, and he says that the only thing that's remaining from that original production is the bit where they say, in Washington Heights, and like that's it. Oh, wow. Yeah, like there's nothing else left from that original production. <laughs> so then after he graduates from college, um, 
they sort of have some workshops over the years and things and it finally gets an off-Broadway production in 2007. So it's quite a long period of him sort of writing it and changing it. Um, It does really well off-Broadway and it, they announced that it's going to transfer to Broadway. It starts previews on Broadway on February 14th, 2008, and it ran to January 9th, 2011. So quite a respectable, yeah, that's great. Um, basically three-year run. Um, it's nominated for 13 Tonys, uh, the 2008 Tony Awards, and it wins four. It won Best Musical, Best Score, Best Choreography, and Best Orchestration. Amazing. And all of those are very well-deserved, I think. Completely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, of course, uh, Lin Manuel, you may have seen. If you haven't, definitely YouTube his Tony Award acceptance speech for best score. Uh, he raps the entire thing, uh, off basically off the top of his head. He's he sort of had so some, gifted. He's incredible. And my favorite line in his score in his acceptance speech for best score is when he says, "Mr. Sondheim, look, I made a hat where there never was a hat. It's a Latin hat at that." <laughs> oh my god, so good. And you touched on a, a really amazing point that I want to make about <sighs> Lin Manuel Miranda, which is. Obviously, we've since seen his Hollywood stardom go from, yeah. you know, rise to rise. And he did Moana and he's done all these things yeah. now. And I just think it's one of those – he's one of those people that could have had kind of any career that he wanted. Yeah. And we're just all really blessed that he Chose this loves one. musical theatre mm. and wants to make – musical theatre that is different from anything that the world has seen. I, I honestly, he's a genius, he's, I think. I think he's a gift, yeah. like, and, and in a way that we haven't really had since Sondheim, no, I think. No, I agree. Um, and it, I love that. And yeah. changing the conversation yeah. and changing, yeah, I, I, I think there's been a little bit of backlash in the last couple of years, mostly against Hamilton. I mean, I don't think there's anything against In the Heights really. No, but it's such but an authentic story. I think you can't be too popular without people there being backlash, right? And it's, I mean, we're not talking about Hamilton, but you cannot overstate like the sheer popularity of yeah. that musical. Uh, July 3rd, it's premiering on Disney Plus. That's With right. the original Broadway cast. Which is very exciting. Yes, I'm very excited. Yeah, so I just think you can't, you can't be him and be that that successful without having some sort of that's right so you know if you look it up on twitter there's people sort of talking him down in different ways we disagree but anyway yeah um so they actually first announced uh the film version in 2008 so like a year after it opened on broadway we got our hopes up way early yeah so 12 (laughs) years ago they announced the film it just kept getting it got it was in production hell like it was yeah and it was i think at one point it was with like harvey weinstein was supposed to be producing it and Mm. then and then all that Mm. happened Uh, (laughs) the egg shaker (laughs) whenever i hate something yes um all that happened and so it got shelved and all these different things so finally the film was shot uh, June last year mm. and it was supposed to come out in June this year and, of course, COVID-19 happened. So it's yeah. now been postponed to June next year. Because they want to give it a proper theatrical That's release, right. don't they? Yeah. And I, I actually think that it's part of the reason they're releasing Hamilton now. Yeah, well, you've got to you build... give the people something. Yes, and also it means that all those Hamilton fans will then be excited for In the Heights yeah, as well. Yeah, so true. It's actually really smart. And I have to say – watch the trailer. I've never been more excited for a musical adaptation. You sent the trailer to me and I think I cried and I don't feel about In the Heights no, the way like, you feel yes, about it. Yes, that's right. You're not like it's that It's not like an it. emotional experience for me, but I cried. I think because it is so, it's such a joyful show. It's just so joyful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, um, yeah. And, and I, I've never seen a more 
the what what to me it looks like the universe that they've created. Well, they have updated it to now, yeah. so I don't know, you know, how they've how sort they of de- that, yeah. dealt with that. But it is updated to now, and it's this whole thing of the dream, the Dreamers Act in America, and are they going to kick these children out who? Mm you know, have lived in America since they were born and have this chance to become citizens. It looks like they've sort of integrated that into it as well. Yeah, well, I mean, you couldn't avoid it, could you, really? No, no exactly. Yeah, wow. um, well, that's so exciting, the movie. I'm so excited for the movie, I can't tell you. Oh, well, yeah, I can um, see it. That means there will have been movies made of most of my favourite musicals. Not that they're all good. As we said, the Incident that Woods movie isn't necessarily very Horrific. good. Horrific. It's trash, Ruth. <laughs> and you still haven't seen the last five years movie, have you? No, and I refuse. Uh, well, I'm going to make you watch it when we cover it. I don't want to. No, I'm going to make you. I don't. I'm not going to. <laughs> don't tell me what to do. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so in terms of why I connected to this show and part of the reason, I talked a little bit about it, but also – I've seen it uh, – we actually talked about it on our pilot episode. I think we'd just seen it in Australia, hadn't we? Yeah, so our friend Joe Colo had just been in that production. Did you see it at the Opera House or at in at the Art House? I saw it at the Art House at Wild. Yeah, so yeah. that production played this little sort of preview week. <laughs> yeah, it was like a preview week at, at this, our local. At this local theatre that's not <laughs> down the road from where Josephine Literally lives. down the road from me. Um, and, then it, and then it played at the Opera House for a week. Yeah. And, um, because I'm a fangirl and yeah, you know, I everything I saw it at both places. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so we'd, we'd just seen that when we, when we talked in our pilot and it, it was actually a production that had been at the Hayes theater in Potts point, which is our, like it, it, that's one of our sort of favorite yeah. um, professional the little theaters. 100 seat. Yeah. The equivalent of what we have of off Broadway in Australian totally. Sydney, but great production, great productions, yeah. really high, um, sort of quality productions in that tiny theatre. Yeah. And so it had been there and I'd also seen it there. I saw it there as well. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. we all went together, didn't we? Yeah, we did. And um, which was excellent. That was an excellent production. Really amazing. And so I this think... was sort of like a concert sort of version of that production. Yeah, I feel like because now I've seen those two different similar but different productions I prefer the Hayes production just because I felt because it's such an intimate theater it's a hundred seat theater that story is a small story yeah it it probably should be intimate and you should feel the heat of the dancers and the when the blackout happens it should be quite visceral Mm, and you can really feel that yeah and you can feel that in an intimate theater but it's difficult in a bigger I also think it's hard when you take because it was literally that production that was then transplanted into Just a bigger theatre. a couple theater. of different cast it's members. It's hard to do that. Yeah. It's hard to... Well, they, they had to change like major choreography. That's exactly and, right. Yeah, yeah. So I also think that's part of it as well. And also, of course, this, the cast were the size that you would have in a 100-seat theatre. Yeah, so they just looked yeah, sort of I think of they dwarfed. added a few dancers, but yes, obviously <laughs> the Broadway production had a lot more dancers and things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the other times I've seen it is I lived in London a few years ago um, and it was on the West End when I was living in London. Cool. And it was actually in a temporary theatre. Oh. Yeah, it's called, it was called the King's Cross Theatre. It was right near King's Cross Station. And Is that like when they do like a big top for Cirque du Soleil? Like it's that kind sort of thing? Like, but it was a bit more – it was had a bit more structure than a big, hmm. like big top style. Yeah. But, yes, similar. And it was, yeah, not a permanent building. It was actually where Google were going to move their head office, I believe, oh. or one of their head offices. Cool. And, and so they just let them – have it this temporary theatre site in the meantime. I love that. Yeah, and so it had, I think, two spaces in there and uh, this particular theatre where um, in the Heights was, I think, was showing like the railway children during the day and then it would be in the Heights at night. Oh, it was sort of cool. this convertible space. 
Um, and it was actually like a traverse stage. Nice. Um, so pe- audience sitting on either side. I can really imagine In the Heights working on yeah. a, in a traverse. And actually I think that that particular production had been on in the Southwark Playhouse um, a year or two before mm. and was quite critically acclaimed. So this was kind of its move to the West End. Um, and I ended up seeing that production three times while I was living there. Because, <laughs> you are tragic. And You're the funny tragic. thing is I actually it – was, it was really good but actually I think – the long the, the the more times I saw it, the worse it got. I think some of the replacement cast members they had weren't as good as some of the earlier ones. A little bitchy. A little bit bitchy. But <laughs> also like cast people who can sing the roles. Like <laughs> I love when I love when this happens. <laughs> Ruth never gets bitchy. Um but the funny thing is, so even though I kept seeing it, I was like, oh, this person's not as good as the original, but I just will see this show wow. forever until. And I also really, I was reckoning at that time with living on the other side of the world. Yeah, so and you felt that Being away from and... friends and family yeah. and just thinking I had a lot of time. I was working by myself and living by myself mm. and thinking about the concept of home and what that means. And... So you wanted to talk to yourself yeah. every night. That's yeah. what you were doing. And there was there's this line in the finale where he says, you know, I found my island. I've been on it this whole time. I'm home. And, you know, as the kids would say, I felt that. Like (laughs) it was was very much thinking about the UK as an island and Manhattan as an island and Australia as an island. There was a lot of resonance for me there. So that's my like emotional kind of connection to that show. That's a very deep connection. (laughs) Look, it's maybe even stretching a little bit. Maybe even too deep. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But anyway, I love that show. Um, So some fun facts. Um, So Olga Meredith, who played Abuela in the original Broadway cast. Such a beautiful role. She is also playing her in the film. She's the only one that has sort of moved. Although Lin-Manuel's playing the Paragua guy. Did you know that? Oh, I didn't. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. So she was actually quite young when she played Abuela on Broadway. They sort of aged her up. So she was like 52. So, um, yeah, she'll just sort of continue to age into the role. And she sings the shit out of that song. She really does. Paciencia y fe. Oh, my God. Yeah, which means patience and faith in English. Um, A couple of the other things that I really love. uh, So back when In the Heights was on Broadway, obviously – um, Lin-Manuel was still really young as we said he was like I think he was like 28 when he yeah, won the Tony yeah. and he looked 17 yeah he looks so young <laughs> it's pre-kids it's pre yes. <laughs> um and facial hair he was really into YouTube so if you go to his YouTube channel which is called Usnavi that's his Ooh. name on YouTube yeah. which I just love there's I used to go there these, a lot when I was at yeah, like theatre school there's all these videos that he uploaded at the time and one of the things he did which was this little like web series, I guess it was called Legally Brown, The Search for the Next Paragua Guy. Oh and uh, like theatre fans around Josephine and my age will remember that they made a reality show called Legally Blonde, The Search for the Next Elle Woods yeah. um, to find the next girl to play Elle Woods on Broadway. And it's basically a parody of that, <laughs> finding the next Paragua guy. Because that just for context, if you don't know the show, that's not a main character. In the, no. It's a very sort of incidental character. In yeah, the, who and, sells shaved ice. Yeah, that's what and he's he not like integral to the story. He's yeah. just like there in the neighbourhood. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's really great. It's got lots of Broadway people in it. Alison Janney is one of the oh, people I love competing to be the next Paragua guy. She'd be a great Paragua like guy. Like Matthew Morrison pre-Glee, like lots of people yes. um, who are great. Funny. Yeah, um, so it's definitely worth watching on YouTube. <sighs> I always loved it. I'd almost forgotten about that I channel, know, right? I <laughs> yeah, there's some great videos on there. And I also just wanted to mention that um, 
so Lynn is part of this hip hop improv group called Freestyle Love Supreme, which are a great. They actually did a Broadway um, little run on Broadway like review, last year. Well, yeah. I mean, because it's improvised every night, so it's different every night. But yeah, yeah so like a little stint on yeah. Broadway. And um, I actually went to see them in 2013 at Joe's Pub in New York. So this is pre Hamilton still. Yeah. And uh, if you look on YouTube, I mean, until they were on Broadway, I think this was the first video that came up. But if you go, if you YouTube Freestyle Love Supreme, I think it's now about the third video. There's a the, the video is from that night that we saw it in Joe's. So cool. You can actually see my husband Andrew's head like in the bottom left hand corner That's of the video. Amazing. I love that. Yeah, and I got a photo with Lynn that night, so we'll put that on um on the yeah. Instagram. <laughs> because I have a photo with Lemma Miranda. So I'm just, you know. You I, look very stoked in that I've, photo too. I fangirl. It's pretty cute. Yeah. I don't fangirl really over many people, but he's a bit of an exception. Of course. Yeah. Also, yeah. I, like I've just heard that he's a really great guy. Yeah. And I've been following, I mean, obviously I've been a fan of this show and since like 2008. Yeah. I think I told the story in our pilot of playing it to our friend Joe when we were doing Aladdin together. Yeah, he was like, he was he was like kid. 15 or 16 yeah. at the time and blowing his mind about what musical theatre can be as well. Hmm. And, uh, yeah, and I've been following him on Twitter basically since then. He's a big Twitter user. Yeah. And I remember there was all this stuff when he finally hit 96,000 followers and now he has literally millions of followers. And so it's That's just awesome. funny. It was like, it, yeah, just seeing his meteoric rise to sort of Hollywood stuff. It feels very deserved. It does. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so there's a couple of things I wanted to us to talk about, one of which is I don't know how much you know about that production that was supposed to happen in Queensland before I do know the about production. that. Yeah. 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 So there was a – I read all the controversial yes, articles. Yes, which was a few years ago now, obviously. Yeah, I would say maybe three or four, I'm yeah. guessing. So it was definitely pre the Hayes production because I remember that all this controversy meant that the Hayes production – really cast the net out yeah. around well they really looked yeah. for, to make sure it was um, well, so the controversy was that um the cast was sort of whitewashed yeah exactly that was the controversy, and really. it was it was a uh what we call like a pro-am production in australia yeah. so the cast only get paid if the show makes money it's a profit share mm. um which but is quite have a common like, it's very common here a very common way of making theater here and it kind of bridges the gap between the amateur and the professional scenes yeah and they're generally sort of more accessible to regional areas yeah um that don't see professional productions yes exactly yeah. and so yes it's a very common thing i don't know that it's that common overseas yeah and so the interesting thing that i wanted to talk about is and in the end they so in the end they canceled that production yeah it got cancelled because they just got so much backlash uh, basically an american blogger saw the cast announcement and saw that several of the cast members were, were very white yeah. um presented as white basically yeah. even though i think the production team felt like some of them actually didn't necessarily have purely caucasian heritage but mm. passed if you will for white yeah um and that this blogger basically said that there were people um of latinx background who auditioned and that they weren't the ones cast is it true were there well we don't know really yeah. um, I, I mean i can't imagine that there's a really wide variety of latinx no. performers in queensland no or, that's right in fact in australia generally it's very true and of all states queensland is probably the most also the whitest. white bread yeah. yeah yeah um in australia so uh, yeah it was interesting so they ended up cancelling the production and mm. as i said when it was then done at the Hayes, they really looked um, and well, I made know they were sure under a lot of scrutiny. True to yeah, true to time. I think they did a good job. I think so too. I think they did a great job. Yeah, I would only say maybe Nina's mum was a. I think she was Italian. Yeah, but that—that's the other thing. I mean, 
we have in Australia, obviously, a larger, much larger amount of, say, Italian and Greek. Italian and Greek heritage um, people. Yeah, yeah. immigration yeah. than anywhere in the Caribbean. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Even probably actual Spanish, like people from Spain than yes, anywhere. In, that's very true. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah. So what, what I want to talk about, because actually they were – they were within their rights to cast it the way they did. And and there's been a similar – there was a similar controversy a year or two ago uh, in Melbourne with um, a company putting on Kinky Boots. And I think it was the first amateur production of Kinky Boots in Australia. And they were an amateur group but a very highly regarded amateur group. Yes. And basically the role of Lola, which professionally is always played by, by a black, black man, man um, was, was played by someone Caucasian. And – it, it, again, it caused quite a bit of controversy, but in the end, the show went ahead mm. as normal. And but there was quite a bit of backlash, and I, I actually think the difference there was because they're an amateur group. Yeah. And what is clearly stated in these license agreements is that Lin Manuel and the other writers of the show are okay with it being performed by not true to type um, by school groups like educational facilities or amateur groups yeah. because I think they would rather the, the work gets done yeah. and the, it, the message gets out there. They are quite um, clear that they don't want anyone doing like trying to imitate someone's accent. Of course. Um, so they do make those stipulations. But mm. I actually think that the reason this production in Queensland kind of got into hot water was because was we have that muddy section where it's sort of, well, people might be paid. Yeah. So it's not purely amateur. Yeah. But actually the rights are probably the amateur rights. Interesting. Mm. So there's there's sort of this interesting grey area, I think, in Australia that we fall into there. But do you think, um, in terms of just the pure emotion of it, do you think it's okay to, in a show like In the Heights, to cast white people i think in schools i'm not so against it yeah um because it's one of those things where school is kind of your chance also to play someone who's 65 yeah um and there are things like that and actually i think that that exists all over the world they do that at colleges in america they'll often still do people cast against type and things like that i don't obviously i would never be in favor of any sort of darkening of the skin no, of, of people or as we say like doing the accent mimicking accents or if we're talking about adults performing it even in an amateur group setting it's hard i i don't like it i wouldn't do it myself no um but i also go well don't fight the production fight the people who give the rights like yeah. if someone thinks you know if if the rights holders haven't said and ixnate it, mm. they are acting within the, yeah. you know, they've set those rules for a reason. And Personally, I would, hope, I would not do it. No. But I would just hope that in the case of the Queensland production, that was the that was their option. Like they didn't have the option to have a Latin cast. Yeah. Like, or well, we don't just hope know, I guess. That, that's what I'm hoping. I yeah. hope that that was the situation. Yeah, exactly. But. And I also, I also think it's a bit self-perpetuating, as particularly in this country where – it's sort of if we don't see ourselves represents, represented on stage and on screen and in different things, then we're always just going to think, well, I can never do those things. Yeah. So partly in Australia I would say that if there's any tradition of musical theatre, that tradition is that it's a mostly Caucasian yeah. tradition, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, for kids who are um, of different ethnicities and living in Australia – are they being encouraged to perform a musical theatre? Because I don't I think anyone's being encouraged to perform a musical well, theatre no, in this country. Well, no, not in this country, but I certainly think. Yeah. I mean, it's it's predominantly a white game in Exactly. Yeah. And so it's kind of like, but if we don't, if we don't. If the work isn't shown. Yeah. Mm. It's like we've got to, it's otherwise it's like this vicious cycle. 
I don't know what the answer is. Yeah, neither do I. Yeah. But it's certainly why we hopefully won't see a production of Showboat in this country. Oh, God, no. No one should ever do that anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then I guess my only other thing I wanted to talk about is, and I don't know how you felt about this, but when I saw it, in at the opera house uh there was lots of our um friends who went and some of like parents of friends and things and Mm. particularly the parents of friends had had no knowledge of the show or even necessarily knew how to train their ears to like the rap that's in it very fast-paced dialogue yes and i wondered how you feel about how accessible do you think something should be when seeing it for the first time and never having heard it before? Because because I think that, I mean, their biggest criticism was just that they kind of missed what was happening. This is interesting because as a person with pretty extreme anxiety, I never attend anything unless I know what I'm going to see because mm. I, I feel very anxious if I don't know what's happening. Mm. But I think by the same token, the only way you're going to learn how to sort of, um, I suppose, like, imbibe these shows is by practicing yeah. doing it like it, I think those people it's great that they went along and they enjoyed what what they could understand of the show but um I don't think anything needs to be altered because an audience isn't used to listening to rap yeah I don't think that's a good enough excuse no I think it's great that these people are being exposed to it um but yeah I wouldn't say that production like had any issues with with diction or no like, no it, that's it. it it was spot on in terms of the representation of the original text and libretto but yeah I do feel like it's it, it's groundbreaking for a reason because it's brand new. No one was re- really ready. Those people you're talking about yeah. in the audience, they weren't ready for that. No. They didn't know that was coming. And they're not even, it's not even like their ears were tuned to listen to rap like in popular music, which, That's right. which we would have been. Yeah, and you don't expect, I suppose, if you were going to see a musical, you wouldn't expect that the, the storyline you're wanting to hear is embedded in a very fast-paced rap in the midst of a song. Yeah. Like, yeah, I get that that would be tough, but I don't think there are any allowances. I have to say, In the Heights is actually quite a traditional musical theatre structure in a lot of ways. And lots of the songs are very musical theatre. Yeah. yeah. Um, It's actually often just really Usnavi stuff that is, and like some Sonny and a little bit Benny, but mostly it's Usnavi who raps, which is why like Lin-Manuel wasn't even in the show. When they first did the first few workshops and things, he wasn't even in it. Yeah. It was like... I think it was just like, well, it's going to be too hard to teach someone else these raps because mm-hmm. so Usnavi well wasn't the main it. character to begin with. Yeah, I did. Um, and then as it went on, um, he sort of became the main character. It was clear that that he was – He has to be the main character. Yeah. And yeah. so, um, yeah, he just ended up playing the character because it was like, oh, well, we've only got like 29 hours or whatever to rehearse with these people. So, yeah. um, like, it's too hard to teach someone these intricate raps. So he just yeah. sort of ended up playing the part. I think too, like – it's not even really rap in the sense of like what we know of popular music and no. rap. Like it's very – and it, it's – to me it's a very palatable version yes. of rap. It, it's not super fast. It's not like Eminem doing a musical. It Like you, if you listen to the soundtrack, you will hear the words. You yeah. will understand them. Yeah. I honestly think the people you're talking about were just maybe too old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Well, and also you think about – the fact that shows weren't even mic'd. Like back when we had Ethel Merman and oh, yeah. stuff, it's like, well, people had to listen. Yeah, that's right. You know? We're probably just I mean, they weren't that. all as loud as Ethel Merman. No one is as loud no, as Ethel that's Merman. that's true. I wonder it's how true. they used to like manage that back in the old days. If yeah. Ethel Merman was in a show, like did everyone else just have to really dig deep? Probably. And just scream it out. Or audiences just got used to the different God. sounds, you know? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So my few gateway songs. Um, Surely the whole soundtrack. Well, don't get 
honestly, if you haven't heard In the Heights and you're a big musical theatre fan, get there now. Please listen to it. Um, there's only that record. There's only the OBC. There's only the original Broadway cast. It's amazing. It's a beautiful cast. Uh, We'll link to it in the episode notes. And yes, it's fantastic. Um, it is just so, and not even just the the sort of hip hop rap sound, mm. but like that amazing Latin music that's in it as well. Yeah. There's a song called "The Club" where they're at, they're dancing oh, at a I club. That. that just the orchestrations are just so just rich, that, like, and all the brass, really brassy, and, yeah, like yeah. heavy Latin beats. They're just so. It's such a, it's such a visceral, a visceral experience. Like it's pulsating. Yeah, and it feels really sexy. It, it was and, the show Alex Lacamoire who did the, um, who was the musical director. He it was the first time they met him and he's now works with them. And he also like did Dear Evan Hans. Like yeah, he's a yeah. very sought after, um, orchestra, you know, orchestrator and musical director. And basically it was funny because they sort of met him and he was going to work on it. And, um, and then he sort of said, oh, I've got to go off to San Francisco and do this little out of town tryout for this show called Wicked. We don't know what's going to happen with it. Jeez. And so he ended up doing both of those shows. Oh, wow. Yeah. But he was on Wicked. Um, it's a shame that he did one really awesome show and one trash show oh, at the yeah, same Joe time. Yeah, hates Wicked. I, I don't – Wicked's not one of my favourite favourites, but I like it. No, you're wrong. <laughs> I'll do it eventually. Wicked is – I look forward to arguing about it at the mm, time. Indeed. Um, so I would say like definitely 96,000, which is the show in which they realise someone has won the, the lottery. Yeah. yeah. Um, I also love It Won't Be Long Now, which is Vanessa, the character of Vanessa sort of singing about her. um, Getting out of there. Yeah. like, And and it's funny that getting out of there is literally moving from the top of Manhattan to the bottom of Manhattan. (laughs) Like in Australia we're like we're going from Sydney to Perth, you know. But but there it's like the top of the island to the bottom of the island. But like the divisions in Manhattan and the different boroughs and things like around New York are pretty. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So that's a great song. And – Carnival del Barrio is one of my favorites as well, which is basically in the middle of the blackout. It's like, Mm. well, we're so hot. It's the middle of the day, and it's that thing of we're gonna we're gonna have a party and actually just celebrate life. Yeah, it's fantastic. I would have said Inutil was one of my. Oh, interesting. Because I just love. Wow, I would never have picked that. Really? Yeah, and not that I don't like the song, but just it just. I think well, so in my like best of musical theater, useless, right? Yeah, yes, useless. useless. It's such a that and breathe are probably the the great. Yeah, ballads. breathe is the other like if you're a young musical theater a singer, singer in, it won't be long now. Range. And breathe are the two big kind of yeah female songs. Yeah, but in Util to me is that that's the number after ninety six thousand. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Um, and there's obviously some great. Um, like Spanish lines through it. Yeah. And um, we mentioned Paciencia Fe is Patience and Faith. That's Abuela's sort of thing. And, oh, yeah, she and they that say, um, uh, no pare, sigue, sigue, which is don't stop, keep going, yeah. keep going. I and love that's all that. like throughout which the whole like show. Throughout the show, yeah. Um, and I would also just say that if you don't know the show, like just listening to that opening number will just give you an idea of the yeah. language of the show yeah. and it sets up the story, it sets up where you are, so that's a good one. And Blackout, the song where there, there is the blackout, uh, they're in the middle of this club and there's this blackout and it's this really rhythmic um, song. Yeah, the orchestrations in that moment incredible. are incredible. Uh, it was my ringtone for so long, <laughs> for many years. Back when we used to be able to just like yeah, make have, our own. Like yes. we'd like have songs as ringtones. Oh gosh, Apple have really curbed our creativity yeah. in that way, haven't they? I, I remember to, I had I, lots of musical theatre ringtones. I bet you did. Yeah, I think yeah, I probably had something lame. Um, I remember in the production at the Haze that we saw during the blackout, they actually, because the band were on stage but they were behind set and in blackout they opened up the doors 
so the band were then like so amplified because yes. there was no set sort of between you and the band anymore and it was so pulsating like I just I know I keep using the same adjectives but it was so yeah vital yeah, in yeah. that moment very like, immediate very immediate yeah. and the brass like when you hear that like muted trumpet cutting through ugh Amazing. And one last video, YouTube video you guys need to watch is um, the finale, which is this very emotional song um, as Lin-Manuel's character is Navi realises, you know, that he's um, he's going to stay and that yeah, not run, run the, and, yeah. the bodega. There was this, like, young fan they had um, who lived, I think, in New Orleans, uh, New Orleans, and he um, – <laughs> Such a whitey. <laughs> and he, um, he was 10 – and his name was Nicholas, and basically that he would film himself doing these in the Heights raps. Aww. And they, he, I think he was maybe coming to the show. Or they organised for him to come to the show, and they film him doing the finale with the entire cast. Oh, wow. This young boy, and he shit. does the rap and everything. And I, every time I watch it, I cry. I love that. It's stories. so beautiful. I love that stuff. It's on that YouTube channel, or if you Google like, and they call it "Dreams Come True." That's what mm, the thing cute. is. And they're so into that. I mean, he's just yeah. Lin Manuel is just so into that sort of the what theatre ma- the magic of theatre and what it can, it can do for young to young people. kids yeah. and yeah. for those who are unsure so the YouTube channel is called Usnavi it's run by Lynn manuel and that's spelled U-S-N-A-V-I yeah and of course in the show the joke <laughs> is that his parents saw the ship and were like that's what we'll name, you know, the Here's kid. And child. they're like, it really said U.S. Navy. Yeah. But hey, you know. It's so it's a sort of a little yeah. funny joke that yeah. actually the ship said U.S. Navy and they called him Usnavi. Hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, that's in the Heights. <sighs> well, I couldn't really disagree with anything there. No. I mean, I, I, I don't think in the Heights is a very problematic show. It's not. And it's. I think it would be. Once you know it, it will be universally loved. I mean, all the only criticisms it ever got in reviews was just that the book was a bit clunky. Mm. That was sort of the only criticism. There's I've also a lot of characters. Like, yeah, I think well, it's I got think just that's like a lot of, of stuff happening. Yeah. But it, it feels to me just like a bustling neighbourhood. Yeah. Like it's got that and I, I don't think that's a bad thing. No, yeah. I don't either. And mm. I sort of – I remember when I saw it for the first time, I went into it, people had criticised the book to me and I sort mm. of went into it thinking it was going to be a bit like a telenovela or something. Yeah, no. And, it, and it's not. It's not. No, I, I love all the characters. Yeah, and... I think it's probably just that there's so much going on. Yeah. That's the complaint. Yeah. 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 All right, are you ready for mine? I am. Okay, Ruth. Today I've chosen another Stephen Sondheim concoction. <gasps> I'm going to be talking about company to you. Bobby. Bobby. Bobby, <laughs> baby. Um, just deal with it, really. Doing Sondheim again. This is not going to be the last one. Either. Hashtag sorry, not sorry. Yeah, definitely not sorry. This uh, So company is actually the first Sondheim show I ever saw a production of. I didn't know that. Yeah. It's also the first Sondheim soundtrack I ever listened to. I re- by the way, I really enjoy your use of the word soundtrack and I hope that no one writes to you and is like, it's called a cast album oh, because well, it's only because. a cast recording. People, that's, that's every child on Twitter and Tumblr and everything. I don't, it I doesn't honestly bother don't me. Care. I don't want to hear from you. It's literally because when I grew up and was buying these CDs, you went to the soundtrack section of HMV and that's where they were. It yeah. was under soundtrack. So I'm going to continue saying that. I don't care to hear your I feedback. I also just don't think it matters. Yeah, no, it doesn't. You know? Well, I'm saying that because I'm obviously in the wrong here, but I, but, I just but don't want to hear about it. As someone who's a bit of a purist in a lot of ways, <laughs> I don't I don't think it's an issue. So um, Company was also the first Sondheim cast recording I ever listened to. <laughs> Hope you're happy. Twitter fuckers. Okay, I think 
I actually think Company is the most accessible Sondheim musical. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and I take into consideration Into the Woods, even though Into the Woods is about fairy tale characters. I think it's more accessible than Into the Woods. Well, I mean, it's just a more manageable length, for yes. example. <laughs> the music definitely. is also much more dynamic. Yeah. Like it, it, so this, if you need an introduction to Sondheim and you think Sondheim is not your jam, go to Company. That's what I will say. Company yeah. is the thing you should listen to. Um, so Company for me is it's more like it's the first one that I was ever exposed to that's why I'm nostalgic about it that's why I love it so much but also because for me it is the most complete and perfect of the Sondheim shows interesting yeah and I will never like I'm never going to cheat on Sunday in the Park with George because it will always be my favorite but like you don't like the second act of Sunday for example even though it's your favorite that's right I also know that if you are not an artist or a creative in any way, way, shape or form, Sunday may not speak to you the way it speaks to me. Mm. Like Sunday speaks to my soul. Yeah, yeah. And it may not do that for you. That's totally fine. Company is entertaining and enjoyable and the themes are universal, I think. So it opened in 1970. So it's actually just had its 50th anniversary, uh, which is cool. It was just a couple of weeks ago. It was like April 20th or something. Um, so Sondheim Wright, he's he, picture this. It's 1970. He's just had a whole bunch of success with some of his earlier shows where he was a lyricist. Yeah. So this is like he's just done West Side and Gypsy and um, yeah. Do I Hear a Waltz, like a whole bunch of really successful shows where he had collaborated with other people um, and a couple of his own. So he'd done Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum, which yeah. was a, like a runaway success. Yeah. He'd done Anyone Can Whistle. Um and also Evening Primrose, which was like obviously a huge success. Everyone knows about <laughs> Evening Primrose and how truly famous it is. The old TV musical, Evening Primrose. <laughs> I will one day talk about Evening Primrose. You better. You know I will. Um, so he, this is the first time he ever teamed up with Hal Prince for really what's considered to be like the greatest collaborative yeah. relationship of his career. Yeah. And Hal Prince's as well, really. Um, also probably in musical theatre history. Yeah, I'd I agree reckon. with that. Yeah, I know that's a sweeping statement, but still. Um George Firth was the original writer of, like, he'd written a play. It was basically 11 one-act plays. Okay. um, Which Sondheim showed to Hal Prince, who then, like, said, yeah, let's create a musical, let's base it in New York, let's let's talk about marriages and relationships and singlehood and all of that sort of stuff. And originally the the original play was going to be just a one-actor. It was actually a female actor who then, like, sort of, performed all of the other characters the in these 11 one-act plays. Oh, okay. Um, it, got, it was quite dramatically changed and George Firth was involved in the adaptation by Sondheim. So, he was, you know, they wrote it together. Basically the plot is difficult to pin down. It is still a bunch of, I would say, one-act plays throughout the entire musical. It's like little vignettes of a life. So it starts off with the central character whose name is Bobby um, is a single person, is celebrating his 35th birthday in New York City with all of his closest friends um, and he has a lot of close friends but they're all married or engaged so they're all coupled up and he's the only single one. Um, so it's his birthday and he's about to blow out his birthday candles but he doesn't blow out his birthday candles because he says like, oh, all I need is my friends, I don't need to make a wish. And then we break off into these vignettes of life, life as Bobby and him visiting his couple friends and little like insights into their marriage and and how their relationships work and Bobby himself has like a few girlfriends who he sort of sees throughout the musical. Um so pretty much then it culminates, like we go through this, really these little snippets of his life. It culminates in Bobby visiting um, or really realising that 
he doesn't want to be alone, like despite his fear of being vulnerable and being coupled up and commitment and monogamy, he doesn't want to live the life that he has been living and he wants someone to live with, to be alive with. Cue yeah. iconic song. Yeah. That's the whole concept. So there's not really like a plot, I would say, apart from Bobby realising that um, it's time to settle down. Yeah. Um, but there's lots of little moments and it's really just all about relationships and the minutia of marriage and being a couple and all of that sort of really. Yeah. And, I mean, the central character is probably New York City. It's all like this very New yeah. Yorker sort of vibe. It's actually quite funny in parts um, and it's actually very super raw in other parts. Yeah. Like it is a show that will make you laugh and then gut you, like just totally gut you. Um, that's why I think it's the most accessible because mm. it is so – it's such a – basic story about human relationships yeah really um also as well as the fact that the music is just excellent it's yeah. excellent um there isn't actually a song this is one of the few musicals i would not skip any songs oh interesting in the entire cast recording <laughs> um i would listen to all of them i sort of don't like tiktok i love it yeah moment. i like it when i see the show but i sort of don't <laughs> listen to Interesting. it or oh, there's a few I don't listen to, to be yeah honest. like you probably don't listen to have I got a girl for you or those sorts of yeah yeah that's fine that's like I'm okay with that. you'll forgive me I'm really evolving <laughs> in my lack of judgment it's pretty much an ensemble cast mm. um everyone gets a really good go like everyone's got a song or a moment um there's I think there's 14 characters all up okay and there's not really like a, apart from Bobby there's not really like a major standout there everyone's pretty well equal yeah like everyone has their moment um, and there's no extra ensemble members. So it's a production for a very small group. It would never be done in like a big amateur musical society because it's not a cast of 40, for example. No. Yeah. I, I, bet, I bet amateur societies have done it with a chorus. Oh, no, surely not. I bet they have. Oh, God, no. I bet. I think that would be an abomination. <laughs> that would be egregious. Just like... They'd just come on for the, yeah, the, for the, what? the Bobby bits, oh basically. Bobby. Yeah. Bobby, baby. Okay. Um, the show opened in Boston for out-of-town tryouts. Gosh, Boston gets a good run. The Colonial Theatre. Yeah, yeah, indeed. It just got renovated in the last few years. Nice. Yeah. I love a renovation. Um, it got pretty mixed reviews, actually. Sondheim has probably always just been polarising to reviewers. Mm. Like, I, there's not really a show where it was just, like, critically loved by everyone. But he's polarising... He's just polarizing to everyone. Yeah, yeah that's right. You so either love him or hate him, really. It's to be expected that there were mixed reviews. Um, it then opened on Broadway at the Alvin Theatre, which is now the Neil Simon Theatre, yeah. which is famously housed like Westside, Elaine Stritch at Liberty. Um, recently it had the um, that incredible 2018 Angels in America with um, oh yes. with Andrew Garfield. And Nathan Lane. And Nathan Lane. Yeah, so that was at that theatre, which was the Alvin Theatre. Hate like rich history there. Yeah, I rich. think um, the Cats revival. Well, I clearly don't want to talk there. about that. And the Share show. I'm trying to think what I've seen there. <laughs> Why would you see any of those things? Well, I saw them. Oh god, I saw both of them. <laughs> okay, um, Company ran for 705 performances. It was obviously directed by Hal Prince, the king or the prince of directing in, uh, on Broadway. The original West End production opened in 72, so it was like, bam, Broadway, yeah. bam, West End. If most of the original Broadway cast, like particularly Elaine Stritch, who clearly I love very much because yeah. I've managed to mention her on multiple episodes. There have been just so many productions. So many. In intervening years. It's, I think it's the most performed Sondheim Is show. It? Yeah. And I'm... I, may, be, I reckon it'd be a toss-up between that and Sweeney. Yes, I do agree with that. But I think 
Please correct me if, if we're I'm talking wrong about, about just ones one. he wrote the music for. Oh yes, that's yeah. right. So it's pro- it's one of the most performed Sondheim shows for sure. Um, it, interestingly, George Firth and Sondheim revised the libretto in the early nineties just to bring it up to date. Like there were so they just felt like some of the language was dated and, mm. and inappropriate now, and so they really did bring it up to date, um, which I think is awesome of them. And so there've been a couple of revivals. Since mm. there's been, I think there's been like maybe four Broadway revivals. It's been a lot. So many, so many. Um, Raoul, sweet, sweet Raoul. <sighs> Broadway misses you, Raoul. Come back. Uh, Raoul, our lovely, um, I can never say his last name right, Esparza. 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 Yeah. Okay. He started in the Broadway revival, one of the many Broadway revivals in 2006, which was, I think, if you're looking for your first, um, cast recording to listen to of company this is a good one to start with perhaps yeah I'd agree um yeah because it, it's a very like uh, it's a very traditional look of company with including the updates but also like modern recording techniques and and Raoul has just a stunning voice and they filmed it they filmed you it can so buy you can buy the dvd yeah. yeah which actually I still have your copy of Do I've got to give that back to you <laughs> sorry I've had it for like three years um, that, Don't worry, when was the last time I watched a DVD? Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> that 2006 revival was pretty unique because the cast were actually provided a lot of the orchestral accompaniment. Yeah. But, I mean, some of them were super talented. The director's like, John Doyle, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah, so he does that a lot. He does that. But, like, um, so some of them were super talented musicians. Like, the chick who played Amy, she was, like, the trumpeter and I think she was maybe the flautist as wow. well. But then, like, Raoul, I think, was on, like, percussion. I, well, he was on piano. Oh, was he? Well, because remember, he doesn't. He sits down to play piano. That's at the right. End for that's being right. Alive. For being alive. So they call it percussion. Yeah, because piano instrument. is a percussion instrument. Um, so here's Ruth, where you come in. There was a controversial Australian production in 2007 mm. that you and I attended. It was produced by Kookaburra Musical Theatre, um, which we talked about in the last episode, and it was pretty. It, Look, the production company itself was a pretty ill-fated company. Did we talk about Kookaburra? Yeah, we did. We talked about this exact well because we were talking about David Campbell. Oh, of course. So this production starred David Campbell as Bobby. For those of you who don't know, David Campbell is really music theatre royalty in Australia. He's the son of Jimmy Barnes, um, working class man. And um, he was like, he was Marius and he was Martin Gare and he's been yeah. a whole lot of, yeah. Um, and he's beautiful. He's very beautiful. Gosh, and a lovely voice. Yeah. Sondheim actually came out to Australia to see this production. For the first time in like 30 years, he came to Australia to see it and he saw opening night and he loved it and then he went home and then this controversy stemmed from the woman who played, Christy Whelan-Brown, who played um, April, who's one of the girlfriends and has the song Barcelona, Barcelona, she was sick and they didn't have any understudies. Mm. So the show, they decided that the show would proceed without April, the character, or the song. Um, so the, like Barcelona was just completely struck from that night of performance. And of course that got back to Sondheim who was furious. Well, I think David Campbell and Sondheim yeah. knew each other because he was in Saturday, David Campbell was in Saturday night, you know, yes, the show. That's that, right. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Obviously we don't know how that got back to Sondheim, mm. but it did. And he was like beyond outraged. He threatened to revoke the, the rights. rights right, yeah. yeah. Like, so they were going and to And this was to all stop. over the papers and everything. It was here. a huge deal yeah. because like Kookaburra was run by at the time, a pretty big deal music theater performer, Peter Cousins. Yeah. Like who was sort of like semi famous, I suppose. Um, so it was all very contentious and interesting in the newspapers, but in the end, it wasn't the rights weren't pulled, but I mean, Kookaburra didn't last. But they very had to long. put it back in. They had to put it back yeah. in. Like she had to just go on. Um, in the end, that production company went under. Like two shows after 
company. What year did you say it was on? 2007? It was, it was on 2007. Kookaburra formally dissolved in 2009, but they didn't do any productions. Like, right. They did like two after company. Yeah, interesting. So it was very short-lived. Um, do you remember that production? I do. I remember that we were in the front row. We were in the front row because I swear David Campbell looked at me for most of that show. <laughs> Maybe that was wishful thinking. Was it the Theatre Royal? <laughs> yeah, Theatre Royal, yeah, which okay. is, it doesn't exist. No, but they're now um, – uh, someone has the rights again and they're going to open it up oh, again. Oh, cool, because yeah. that's a nice theatre. It's saw great. I saw My I mean, Fair Lady there with we um, need... Richard E. Grant. Oh, yes. That was a good... We need a third theatre in we Sydney, really you know, It's atrocious theater. that we have two made like two big theatres. Yes, yeah, so we have two 2,000-seat theatres. Too and big. Then and then like there's that. the Hayes with 100 yeah, seats. Yeah, pretty much. Because I think Theatre Royal is what, like more like a 500-seater? It's 1,100. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, because there's a mezzanine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so the third West End revival is the thing I want to talk about. This is groundbreaking. Yeah. Groundbreaking shit because the main character, Bobby, was played by a woman. Yeah. Um, this change actually, interestingly, didn't require like a huge amount of shifting mm. of of dialogue, of pro- like obviously pronouns changed, but the name Bobby remained the same. So she wasn't called Robert. She was just Bobby. Um and it really, if you think about it, it makes a lot of sense for today's like 30-something woman who's struggling with, you know, identity and relationships and biological clock and all of that sort of very topical um, issues for women today. It just feels like this musical is actually always intended to be helmed by a woman. Yeah. Don't you reckon? It, so I, I saw it. Because you saw it. I, I saw it twice actually um, <laughs> because I loved it I hate so you. much. I just hate you. Um, it's... My probably my one criticism of company is that performing it now, a single man at thirty five is not that big a deal. No, like I understand I, in nineteen seventy it might yes, have been exactly, yep. and I would say that's my only sort of if you're going to perform it now and you set it now, it doesn't really make sense. Yes. I, I can't see a whole bunch of people being like, "You've really got to settle down." Yeah, and, Bobby, you're thirty five. Yeah, like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what was quite incredible is that they changed so little and it mm. felt like it was written today. today. Yeah. It was quite astounding. It's amazing because like when you first told me about this production because I didn't know about it and you told me about it and I thought as soon as you mentioned it I just thought of course. Mm. Like of course it should be a woman. Yeah. And how relevant and how empowering for the women who are watching the musical that this is just so topical. Mm. You know like – and they were just so smart. Marion Elliott, who directed it, is like yeah. She she directed that production of Angels in America we were just talking just about. Just like a proper genius. Yeah, Curious Incident, yeah. of Dog in the Night, like a some, re- but a really visionary. Yes, yeah, a real um, visionary. Worked well, for the National Theatre for yeah. many years, and um, yes, visionary is exactly the right word. Yeah, and th- th- they just made incredibly smart changes. So they changed some genders of characters but not all of them no so like um some of the couples that surround bobby were swapped around in terms of the dialogue so yeah. you know the women did the men's dialogue and the other way around and all it meant that instead bobby was sort of surrounded female bobby was surrounded by some quite equally powerful women friends yes. who were kind of the dominant person in their yeah. in their relationship which is just not a preposterous no idea at all of course, like they're the career women and yeah. you know things like that they're and the ones giving her advice about relationships yeah. and finding a man and, exactly yeah. and um but then like joanne um who still played woman. by patty lapone in yeah. that revival uh was still played by a woman and the only difference is normally she sort of she's got a husband a who's where, 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 the idea is she's married to a rich man at the time yeah it's like a and third normally husband. he's 
a bit older, but not necessarily like a lot older. Mm. She's also an older woman. But in this case, it was like a toy boy. Yeah. You know. And it's I just so think good. some of those little changes just worked really well. And, but, and changes that just didn't have to – they just didn't change anything about the storyline. No. Like no, nothing, nothing fundamental was shifted. No. Unless you think that gender is a huge fundamental issue and then you've got other problems. Yeah, that's right. Then you're not welcome to listen to our podcast. That's correct. (laughs) So um, there's actually a Broadway version of this exact gender-swapped production. That was in previews. It was in previews um, before the pandemic sort of struck. Hopefully it will proceed as planned once theatre reopens. Yeah, um, I really hope so. Yeah, the woman who's playing Bobby, I'm a big fan of her from The Band's Visit. Yeah, Katrina Um, Lang. Katrina Lang, thank you for that name. Yeah, so she'll be wonderful. But the woman who played Bobby, in the West End revival, Rosalie um, Craig was is just uh, just like a, a beautiful, shiny, ma- magnificent. She's incredible. I, I do have to say, actually, I don't think that cast recording is very well recorded. I actually do Something agree with about you. it. There's some of the songs that are really spotless, but others are weird. Yeah, and just listening to it uh, when it first came out, I was so excited. And mm. listening to the cast recording, I was like oh, this was better in the theatre. I don't know yeah. what's happened here, but... Well, that's why I think if you haven't listened to Company, as much as I'd love to point you to the gender-swapped recording, I reckon you should listen to the 2006 Rail, um, Rail I should say, Broadway revival. Yeah. I think that's the one you should listen to. Um, obviously, so we'll move on to music. I could wax lyrical just about the music forever. I yeah. could just talk about it nonstop. Unlike Sunday in the Park with George, which I think the music is quite cerebral and difficult... Company is musically just really entertaining. Yeah. It's it's classics on time in part, so it's quite wordy and clever and dissonant harmonies, but also it's quite varied in style. So if you don't like a particular song, you're not going to hear 70 of the same very true. Um, themes throughout. Like each of them are quite different in style. So you've got like proper ballads like Being Alive, which most of you will probably already know, Marry Me a Little, Someone Is Waiting, like really lovely ballads. Well, I think that those, the three that you mentioned, like, Bobby's big songs by himself are just some of the most beautiful songs written for the male musical theatre canon. Yeah. And obviously not just male, women can sing Being Alive too. Um, And, but just in, like in history. Yeah. All in that show. Yeah. if you really break down, like it was only when I was looking, researching for this episode, looking at the list of songs from this show, they're just all bangers. Like they yeah. really are. And, yeah. yeah, those three songs particularly for for the male voice, beautiful. Um, then you've got like really high-energy character songs like Getting Married Today, Ladies Who Lunch, Another yeah. Hundred People, like yeah. just awesome, awesome. And each of those are really different in musical style. Um, like sometimes they're quite jazzy and other times they're really musical theatre and sort of um, boppy and resonant and, yeah, just really clever writing. There was so, something mentioned in an interview recently. So the, instead of the three girlfriends, she has three boyfriends. Yeah, yeah. Um, but apparently they they were sort of tossing up whether one of them might be a woman. Like oh, she nice. might be bisexual. Yeah, and, cool. Yeah, which I thought was an interesting. They didn't end up going that way. Because well, the, the character of um, – Amy was yeah. played by a man, wasn't it? Yeah, Jamie. Jamie. Yeah. yeah, and Jamie was marrying. And he won the Olivier, I think, the actor. Yeah, nice. Yeah. yeah that's he might cool. even be Australian, that actor. Really? I actually don't Ooh. know who that is. I but... may have just made that up. Oh, look, we'll claim him. Gateway songs. You could listen, like just turn on the Broadway cast recording and listen to just anything. But I would recommend it. Obviously, the 2006 revival or maybe the 2018 West End revival, if you want. Um, Listen to Rosalie Craig doing um, Being Alive for sure because she does it, she just kills it. My personal favourite songs though are Getting Married Today. Yeah. 
um, being alive and you could drive a person crazy. Yeah. I think of the ones that would give you a cool little snapshot yep. into also just a clever, it's quite, it, it's quite satirical in part. So it's, it's quite a clever, you know, story in all yeah. of those songs. So yeah. they would be my gateway choices. Yeah. Yeah. There's also, if you want to watch it, um, for whatever reason, you don't want to watch the Raul Esparza version, which is the version you should watch. Yeah, you'd watch. be incorrect. They did a concert version in what, about 2013 Yeah, maybe? yeah. I'm going to guess that year. Yes. Um, with Neil Patrick Harris and like, um, yeah, There's it's got a great cast. Lots of big names, yeah. Uh, Patti LuPone plays Joanne in that, yeah, doesn't she? Does, she? Yeah, she does, yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that's not bad. I'm it's not, not a big, bad. I, I actually, yeah. if you by all means, it. but if you, you know, that's if you want to see some famous people yeah. be in it, then yeah. that's the. Yeah, I think, um, but definitely go to where I've, you can listen to the original Broadway cast recording, which is totally fine, but it is dated and it does, it very much reflects its time. It's very clearly orchestrated in the 70s, things like that. So, but you can listen to Elaine Stritch be um, Joanne and she sings Ladies Who Lunch and it's really the iconic I would say recording yeah, of that definitely. song, like she she is Joanne, yeah, that really like that dame, that broad character, yeah, brassy, yeah, brassy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just there's not much to not love about Company mm. to me. Like it's really also if you can find it, I don't know if it's on YouTube. They made a little documentary when they were making that original Broadway cast yes. album, which is fascinating to watch. It's actually a really great documentary. Yeah, yeah, and you then they find spoofed that. it. Um, about a year ago, that documentary now series that John Mulaney and Nick Kroll do, yes, yes. which is like a spoof of that, and it's them making it's pretty this funny. Sondheim cast Recording, album. Yeah, yeah it's, it's also great. Yeah, yeah clever. Yeah, um, great. yeah there's lo- actually lots of footage of um, like involved in that documentary, mm. so you can watch a lot of the original cast and, yeah. and Sondheim like interacting with them. And because yeah. there's this kind of famous thing where Elaine Stritch um, has sort of. They're not recording Ladies of Lunch until quite near the end and she's sort of blown her voice out trying mm. too hard for everyone else Yeah, and she's sort of got nothing left. Yeah, I yeah. love her so much. Yeah, she's she's, a, she's an incredible woman. She has a funny – because she tells all these stories in her one-woman show, Elaine mm. Stritch at Liberty, and she tells this story about – because in Ladies of Lunch there's a line where she says, a matinee, a pin to play, perhaps a piece of Marla's. Yeah. And she thought – because she, she what she says is that she was quite a naive – 40-year-old, yeah. um, is that she thought Marla's was referring to uh, like a cake store that was in New York. Oh, right. So she thought she was like getting a matinee, see a play by Pinter, by Howard Pinter, and then go get a piece get some of cake. cake. Yeah. yeah, and she didn't know until she mentioned something to Sondheim who was like, um, excuse me, no, I'm referring to the composer Marla. <laughs> Gustav Marla. <laughs> so she sort of famously was just very embarrassed that she assumed it was about oh, cake. I love her. I know, she's so good. She's so good on 30 Rock, talking so about comedy shows that yeah, we Yeah, so she plays um, Alec Baldwin's mother in yeah. 30 Rock. So, she's should, so good. Anyway, she's great. She's a proper dame. Yeah. Rest in peace. Yeah, um, so sad when she passed away. So that is company. Yes. What do you reckon, Rick? Again, I don't have much I can. Uh, no, well, it's really great. Yeah. Company is great. Yeah. When we can't be Oklahoma and rent every week. <laughs> what do you not like about Oklahoma? Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, company's amazing. Yeah. I would love to do it. One it would day. be a great one to yeah. do, actually. With that I can't wait cast. for them to release the rights to the gender swapped version. Yes. Yeah. Well, now that that exists, I don't see how you can no. do the original. <laughs> no. I just don't. <laughs> Because, like you said, it's not relevant. We anymore. will fight people for the rights when that comes out. Hundred percent. I want to be the first one. Can I please play Bobby? Yeah, I've got a couple of years before I'm um, thirty-five. Who was I going to be, Kathy? Yeah, was you'd it? be a great Kathy. Yeah, 
That book of that, those scenes are so funny, I yes, think. They're hilarious. Yeah. Because it really, like George Firth really did write these standalone scenes. So those little moments are supposed to be standalone like little mini plays yeah. and they are. They, they do are. read and present that way. So they're hilariously funny. If you're an actor looking for little two-handers, they're really great mm, two-handers. Definitely. The, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Excellent. That's, that's company. Great. Mm. Mm. Anything planned for this week? Well, I'm still attempting to not wet my pants. That's all I'm going to do. I'm just going to keep trying to. Sorry? Well, I'm busting to go to the toilet. I've been oh. busting this whole episode. I'd forgotten. There was there was banter about that at the beginning and I'd just totally forgotten. I was oh. like, well, have you I got a pelvic forgotten. floor issue I don't know about? Well, <laughs> no, not yet, but I have been busting this whole time. It's Excellent. given me a good um, frantic energy, I think. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> I think so too. Yeah. Well, uh, have a great week, everyone. Yeah, have a great week. Week, week, week. Oh my gosh. Uh, subscribe, like, download, oh yeah, please. follow us on Instagram. We have not, we're, um, we're wanting any feedback that you want to give to us. Yeah. We'd love some reviews, some ratings. And there might be like a little bonus thing pop up soon. Oh, really, Ruth? Yeah. A bonus thing? Yeah. What do you mean? Well, I think people will find out more when they see it. Stay tuned. If a random episode pops up in your timeline, yeah. then go Watch with it. Watch this space. Yeah. Hmm. All right. All right. Bye. Bye.